Blog Talk Radio.
Mr. Kurt Brown. <laughs> Curtis. That's me. That's show. me. Vandal the Love Handle Drummond, as Johnny Legend likes to call me. And San Francisco is. was where I had I wrestled my very first incredibly strange wrestling show back in '95. Holy shit! Who'd you work? Well, let's see. I I think I worked like three or four times that evening. First time I worked under the hood is RUR 2000 against uh, the Unholy. Then I was uh, you know my uh, myself Vandal Drummond against Physico Nuclear, and I think I worked. Oh, I was the abortionist that night. One of J.R. <laughs> Benson's. Yeah, one of J.R. Benson's brilliant creations. I was uh, the abortionist against Johnny Legend's Cletus the Fetus. Mm. Now, now you mentioned my boy J.R. J.R. and I, we go back. I, I met J.R. first in 93. Oh, um, I didn't know you know J.R. Oh, yeah. From Great the, uh, guy. I, I, I first met him at the uh, Ron Head promoted a Father's Day show in San Jose, headlined by Sabu and Chris Candido in a ladder match. I remember because I booked I booked the Luchadores go. for that show, the SoCal Luchadores, Superboy and Capitan Oro. There it is. That was a hell of a show, and you know, 15 years later, it still stands the test of time. I agree. I that was a great show. Yeah. Problem is, it didn't draw flies. Yeah, but, well, that's <laughs> that's the trick, especially in indie wrestling. And Ron Head, like a lot of other people. I think it's always a shocker the first time you promote a show and you have some names and you realize it's a lot harder to get people to know that the show exists and then get them to shell out some money to pay to see it. <laughs> well, I'm going to I you know I had a couple of questions I was going to drop on you at the beginning, but you know, you mentioned my boy J.R. Benson. Um, mm-hmm. have you read his book yet? No, I haven't, but I do intend to. I just discovered it uh, about maybe 2 months ago. Oh, it's twisted, brother. As only Jr. can be, that guy had of one of the wildest imaginations I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get Jr. on the show, but you know we keep bouncing back and forth emails, and I just can't seem to, can't seem to get him. <laughs> How is he doing these days? <sighs> Alive. Alive. That's <laughs> a good thing. Good. Is he still involved in uh, wrestling at all? Not that I know of. Um, nothing up here. That's that a shame because he's got such a fertile imagination as far as the uh, angles and gimmicks go. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's a hell of a conversation. This you know, is I mean, true, yeah. Sat down and partied with him many a night, and, you know, <laughs> God, Lord, I have stories, Kurt. I have oh, stories. God, I remember every time I'd see him in the dressing rooms down here in uh, Southern California, I'd walk by and I'd just uh, smell that nice uh, lit-up Christmas tree scent. <laughs> always JR. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that guy's watch is broken. It's always stuck on 420. (laughs) I think that's the only way we'd have JR. True that. True that. Okay. All right. Uh, Kurt, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yes. Now, now you go back years and years and years of of seeing high flyers and and luchadors and, you know, cruiser, quote-unquote, cruiserweights. Mm -hmm. Now, who was the first pure high flyer that caught your eye? The very first one was when I first started watching wrestling in 1972, and that was uh, from Mexico, Raul Mata, who, (laughs) do you remember him? He wrestled up in Northern California quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And he got a pretty decent push. He's kind of pushed in the middle here in Los Angeles. And not only was that guy a great flyer for his day, 
but he was a really strong babyface. I think, you know, he'll probably be forgotten in the annals of history, but that guy, the art of being a babyface, that guy had it down. He had a, and his brother Carlos was a decent worker, but nothing near what Raul was. Okay, so what uh, what worker influenced you? What worker influenced me? Wow, so many. When I started wrestling lucha style in the early 90s, uh, I guess backing up, I started wrestling in 1983, and I wrestled strictly American style. And uh, I only worked that style for about two years. And then in the early 90s when I started doing lucha style, it was an odd combination of Negro Casas and Jim Cornette, of all people. Negro Casas just because I loved the way the guy worked really hard, but you could tell he was working really light. And he he seemed to have the art down of taking really cool bumps without feeling the need to destroy his knees or his back. And the Jim Cornette part comes in where I worked my gimmick. I had uh, hair down below my shoulders. Uh, I I played kind of a skateboard brat, but my personality was pretty much Jim Cornette always uh, Jim Cornette circa early 80s when he first started being a manager, this whiny brat who was just always, like, boasting about how privileged he is. And especially in front of the lucha crowds, the Hispanic crowds, that got over gangbusters. Much better than any other gimmick I ever tried. Okay, um, but before we, we get this ball rolling more, um, uh, I'd like to wish a, a rest in peace to uh, Mr. Tech Nine. Uh, we lost him uh, very recently. What? Um, Tech Nine? Yeah. Byron? Mm hmm. When did this happen? Oh, jeez. Uh, it was in a thread on the SoCal Uncensored forum. I, uh, I will check it. Oh, ago. I am very sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, that's. I work shows yeah, with both. Yeah, I work shows that, with Byron that's and old his. School, you know, that, that's, that's old school SoCal Indies, brother. You know, that's, that's Alex Knight and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, that makes me feel pretty old because I think he debuted just a few days before, or not a few days, a few years before I kind of wound up my uh, <laughs> most active career. But I'm very sorry to hear that. Byron was a really nice guy. I know he had a a lot of trouble troubles, but very, very nice guy. Okay, you, you said you broke in in the early 80s. Um, who trained you, and how did you come about meeting this person and how do you break in? The very first wrestling lesson I had was a fellow by the name of Tom Hankins who people who have been watching uh, for many years remember him as being the person on Phil Donahue's show who said that Pat Patterson came on to him in a bar back in LA years ago which I do believe is true I remember when that happened I remember him telling me about it he uh, he was like the J.R. Benson of his day. Very nice guy who just liked to puff weed all day and worked uh, the Tennessee Territory in the early 70s, wrestling under the name of Crazy Charlie Reed. He gave me my first lessons, but um, I think my first serious lessons were from Dr. Jerry Graham. Not just wrestling lessons, but... Uh, uh, knowing Dr. Jerry Graham was a lesson in itself. 
I tell people I used to share my uh, greatest secrets with Dr. Jerry Graham, except for two. Those two secrets I never shared with him were my home address and my telephone number, because everybody who gave him that regretted it. Mm. Wow. Dr. Jerry Graham, the forgotten Graham brother. Yeah, miss him. Uh, <laughs> I miss him every day. He was he was a blast to hang with. The first night I met him was in 1981 up in Bakersfield, California, at Strongbow Stadium. We were introduced to him by John Tolis, and John Tolis had a an ulterior motive here. He was the doc's scheduled ride home that day. Well, with a straight face, John Tolis said, "Could you boys uh, give Dr. Jerry a Graham a ride back home to Los Angeles? Uh, it's a little out of my way." And as we hit the 99 freeway, the doc said, hey, kids, could we pull over at this liquor store? I just want to get a couple of beers. So we pulled over, and a few minutes later, doc walks out of the liquor store, and he has a few beers. He also has three bottles of wine, uh, about three more bottles of hard stuff, and a dozen cigars that he stole from the liquor store. And as we're cruising down Highway 99, he is polishing... He is polishing this liquor off like nobody I had ever seen, and he had let out this war cry just where he'd scream, Yeah! And he was throwing the bottles out in the highway, not bothering to see if there's any cars in the lane next to us first. And he's just raising hell, and the whole time I'm just sitting there thinking, Oh, God, please let us get home. Please let us get home alive. And that, that's one of the tamer Dr. Jerry Graham stories out there. <laughs> well, now, now you you've been you know a fixture in Southern California. Um, I know you've crossed paths with Billy Anderson. Oh yeah, um, known Billy Anderson for about twenty five years. Well, what do you think of Billy? Oh, I think Billy's a uh, really good guy. When I first met him, it's funny. When I first met him, he was working the LaBelle territory here in Los Angeles, and he he seemed a little kind of a uh, how would I say, still, still, still a little insecure in his own ability and just his presence, but that didn't take long for him to break out of that shell. Uh, obviously, he did a lot of the booking for WWF whenever they came in for the job, boys. Uh, we always uh, got along really well. I met a lot of really nice guys through Billy Anderson. In fact, indirectly, it was Billy Anderson who got me hooked up with the local Lucha uh, luchadores here in Southern California because he taught his wrestling classes out of the Gills Gym in East L.A. Oh, and Gills. Yeah, yeah. Gills Garage? Oh, my God. Gills Garage. Is, Is it still around? Oh, it's been closed for about two years, and I was I was so blue when that place closed. Uh, it had been why open since... Why, I'm sorry? Why didn't someone buy it and make it a fucking museum? You know, that's that place, that's you know? what I asked, too. You want to hear something funny? About six or seven months ago, I was in that area, so I just drove by. And it's you know still closed up, but it still has his name painted on it. It still says Gill's Garage. It should be, <laughs> in my opinion, there should be a Lucha Libre landmark because, I mean, Super Astro Train there, um, Superboy, that's where you know he learned about everything he did. And when he walked into that place, it was like a museum. They had posters going back from the 1960s up on the wall. Uh, yeah, but uh, Billy used to teach his classes on Saturday mornings 
out of Gill's gym where he trained people like uh, Michelle Starr, Ricky Ataki, yeah. Louis Spicoli, and Stefan DeLeon. And uh, I had been out of the business for a few years, and I was kind of getting a little lonely for it. And so he said, well, why don't you just come crash some of the workouts? So I started doing that, and he also started getting me work as a referee on some of the shows he helped promote. And then one day, I uh, we wound up our workout, and when we finished, a local wrestler by the name of Chakal Rivera was teaching a class. Uh, and as Billy's students were leaving, Chakal, he didn't speak much English, but he kept motioning me, me for to come, excuse me, I'm stumbling over my words here. He motioned for me to come into the ring and just kept on saying, hey, try this. And I was saying, eh, I don't know if I'd be good at any of this lucha stuff. But he kept pushing me. And once I got in there doing it, I was addicted. So I give Billy Anderson credit for getting me hooked up with Lucha Libre, even though well, I was a huge um, fan of it since I was a kid. You see, uh, Billy's longtime partner before they split was uh, arguably the – greatest independent pro wrestling promoter in the United States. Um, he draws consistent. The man is, whenever I call him on his cell, he's always out putting out flyers or posters. Mr. Jesse Hernandez. Let's talk about the man. Jesse, Jesse Hernandez. <clears throat> Jesse and I go back to 1979, and that was when he was training under Great Goliath at the San Bernardino Arena. And if I, if I recall correctly, he would get a break on wrestling lessons with Goliath. Uh, and he worked for the LaBelle selling tickets and, you know, taking the you know, ring jackets, that sort of thing, at San Bernardino Arena. Well, back then, I think I was about 17, and I used to do stories for Ring Wrestling Magazine, and back then, my hero was this uh, Argentine heel, Coloso Colosetti, and I badly wanted to do a story on him. And so I'm looking around, and I'm saying, hey, is there anybody you can speak Spanish here? Because my Spanish is almost zip. And Jesse walks by, and I just say, hey, mister, do you know Spanish? And he goes, yeah. And <laughs> so he conducted this interview with Coloso Colosetti, I wrote my story. It was a terrible story because I wasn't much of a writer back then. But Jesse and I became friends, and he was one of the nicest guys for all that time when he was a ticket taker. Whenever I uh, came to the shows, he would sneak me in the front way or you know, try to get me a break on the tickets. And it, it's a trip running into him today and seeing he's kind of like Mr. Southern California as far as, uh, as, far as you know, the wrestling mentors go. Always been... Really nice to me. Really like Jesse a lot. Yeah, Jess is Jess is a great guy. You know, he always has time for me. Yeah. You know, whether, whether it's having him on the show or, you know, just calling him and, you know, pointing, you know, talent his way or, you know, basically just talking. Cause, you know, yeah, same here. Jess, I mean, there was a period where I was kind of out of the scene and hadn't seen him in probably eight or nine years and, when I ran into, you know, when I ran into a number of guys that I used to know, you know, half of them seemed half interested to see me. Others were like, "Yeah, whatever." Jesse was always, "Hey, buddy, it's great to see you," and you know, he just pick up like we, t you know, left off yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a class act. He really you know, is. 
and and I I say it till I'm blue in the face that you know he's at, he's teaching his kids properly. You know, you I agree and, with you totally. I went to one yeah. of uh, Bart's shows in City of Industry recently. Mm-hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say just one. I went to several shows, and I can always tell whenever I see faces that I never seen before. I can tell if Jesse trained them because they do a lot of old school psychology that people don't bother learning anymore or people don't bother teaching. And especially when I see a tag match being worked, I can see the old, uh, you know, carbon prints of Black Gordman and Great Goliath that Jesse learned from Goliath. And he's trained, man, he has trained some really excellent talent. And I have a hunch he doesn't get nearly enough credit uh, for what he's accomplished. Oh, we put him over on the show all the time. Oh, that's good, because he deserves it. Um, you know, guys that I meet or, you know, friends that, that decide to jump, you know, into the business to start promoting, I tell them, listen to the Jesse Hernandez shows. He will teach you. It's you know, always two hours under that learning tree, you know, and it's just amazing. And, you know, I mean, geez, the guy sells out the same places all the time, constant. It's very true. Amazing. It's very true. And it, he he never strikes me as the type of person who feels like he has to blow his horn about it, too. He seems yeah. very mellow. Yeah. And Jess will just sit there and talk, <laughs> you know, and that, that's fine. You know, yes, because you know there there are there are fans that listen to my show. There are some of the boys and promoters and company owners that also listen, and I I make it a point to bring on certain guests, um, like my former co-host Alex Saint from San Diego. Um, <clears throat> you know he has a handful of matches under his belt. You know he just broke in last year, and when I had him as my co-host, I made sure that I had guys on like Jesse, so that they can teach him. He was my pet project because I wanted this young kid to learn the business properly. You know, and it's not, I, I had Mike Modest on uh, this past June, mm-hmm. and Mike, Mike said that, you know, going to WWE, going to WWF or, or, you know, TNA or whatever, that's not the dance for him. Right. He got to the, sh- he got to the show when he could make a living. He can call himself a wrestler. That and to me, that's... Show for him. Yeah. And that's the pinnacle of success. There you go. You know, Um, if you can make a living in this business, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, your name's up there in lights or whether you're just a booker. Or or If you're making a living in this business and you're happy with it, that's success because it's hard to make any kind of a living in the wrestling business. And if you listen to somebody like... Mike, Mike was at the point where he can introduce himself to someone, a complete stranger, and say, Hi, my name is Michael Modest. I am a professional wrestler. And, and that's awesome. About that is very cool. Uh, yeah, well, and that's one of the things with Jesse is whatever you want to be in this business, he's somebody who can sit down and, I mean, he's somebody who really studied the business as he learned it, and not everybody does that. There's a lot of people who can be given all the tools, and they do their damnedest, but they still don't get it. You know, they still don't get a grasp on what it's all about. Well, you know, they're... There are a handful of trainers and schools out there. Um, if people ask me, you know, hey, who should I get trained by? And then I ask them, where are you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if they can go to Southern California, I will refer them to Jesse. 
If they're in the Northwest, it's Buddy Wayne. Um, yeah. Buddy Wayne is just fucking tremendous. Um, if they're in, if they want to move to Canada, Lance Storm. Right. Um, if they're in Chicago, it's um, the Elite Pro Boys, the Tomasellis. Um, out out east, Chikara. I mean, it, you know, and I, I say these names um, with pride because some are my friends. I've seen some of the products that they've put out. You know, mm-hmm. and these guys, these these five different training schools, they all have different philosophies. They all train differently. But the one thing they have in common is that they break in professional wrestlers. Exactly. The exactly. And that's a very good point to make. You can, you know, different philosophies, yet they all work. You know, there is no one way to work. There is no one way to promote pro wrestling. And speaking of Chikara, that is one group. If I could just pick one group I would love to see get a TV deal, Chikara. I would love to see oh. that done with, with some money. <laughs> Kurt, you have no idea, brother. Okay, I am hooked. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, I'm looking at SmartMarkVideo.com, cheap plug, uh-huh. every single day to see when the shit's getting released. I am hooked. I that's uh, Quackenbush. So Quackenbush was kind enough to send me a couple of DVDs after I wrote uh, an article on Titanes and El Ring for the Observer a few months ago, and I watched it. And I said, oh, my gosh, this has the footprints of Martin Cardellan all over it. And I just thought, Quackenbush, this guy rules. I love this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, now, I mean, um, what, what shows did he send you? Do, you? do you happen to remember offhand? I don't remember offhand. He sent me – all I remember is that there uh, – he sent me – Did you see one I of think the, the first two shows from this year, from 2008. Oh, and okay. I've gotten through cool. one of them so far. Oh, I especially geez. love the team of Cheech and Cloudy, and I love the the soldier ant. Oh, the ants are awesome! Aren't they wonderful? The ants. Oh, the soldier ants, awesome, dude! The the diving headbutt with the salute, and oh my, you dude, that's money. If you're exactly. right, if anybody deserves a TV deal, it's these guys. Wouldn't that's because it's it's so frustrating when I watch it and I see that you know all they have to work with. I mean, they're doing the best with what they have, you know, and but they just have you know, a low budget to work with. But can you imagine if they had some honest-to-God money to work with? Not that much even. Just enough to do a professionally done show. This stuff would rule. This, In fact, this is the closest thing I've ever seen to Argentina wrestling since I was a kid. You know, um, and as far as if they were to quote-unquote get a money mark, I don't. Even, it wouldn't even be used for talent. It would be exactly. all production. Exactly. It, it, production is the only thing they need to put some money into. That is because they they bring in one or two guys, and that's about it. You yeah. Know, for the regular shows, and you know. Um, I know as far as workers them, go, they have what they need as far as the workers. Uh, and oh, it's yeah. just, man, I'd love to see some money put into the production. That would be sweet. Uh, in fact, I sent Quackenbush in exchange. I sent him a tape of Argentina wrestling from the early '80s because they had an ant gimmick, a wrestler called the Black Ant. And uh, this was an ant, you know, complete with antennas and stuff, and he would come with a whole army of ants to the ring with him. And the match I saw, he wrestled against Nero from Rome, and Nero came out with an army of soldiers. And the whole thing oh, just turned... It was beautiful. Oh, my God. The, the finish came when the Romans came in to attack the Black Ant, and then the army of ants came in, and attack the Romans, and they're all scratching themselves like they're itching at a picnic. 
And oh, I just thought, yeah. life doesn't get more beautiful than this. <laughs> now, for those for those that are listening, uh, if you have any questions for Kurt or myself, you can call in at area code 347-215-7946. Uh, we'll be taking calls for the next hour and 31 minutes for the entire show. Um, you got something on your mind, want to shoot some shit, got a question for us, call in, 347-215-7946. Okay. Now, I I have to ask, Kurt, um, you broke in as a quote-unquote American professional wrestler. Um, How did you go about becoming, uh, learning how to work the lucha style and becoming a, a, a luchador? Well, learning the lucha style, it was like, I don't know how it is for most people who do that dramatic a change, because when I learned lucha style, uh, at Gill's Gym, they taught like pure lucha style, where you're working every move from the right, you lock up from the right, do your headlocks from the right, and it was, at first it was really difficult, it's like trying to do something left-handed if you're right-handed, but I adapted rather quickly, and it got to the point where working to the left feels a little bit foreign. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. And I think the the other part that was a little difficult was a lot of the local Lucha Libre shows back then were such pure Lucha that you're doing strict Lucha psychology, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning, if you're in a tag match, you start out where you do some hold for hold with your opponent, then your tag team partner and the other opponent do some hold for hold, then you break out into the high spots. So that took a bit of a you know adaptation for me. Um, the flying, to be honest, I never became that much of a flyer. Not because I didn't want to so much, just because I had to keep down a full-time job and I couldn't afford to do a lot of crazy spots that would leave me injured. So it was more out of necessity than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, there's there's got to be one guy to catch everybody. So Exactly. Which is one of the things that puzzles me even when I watch a lot of WWE today. When I see people doing a lot of topes, I don't see people catching right, you know. No. And I, it freaks me out to watch sometimes because whenever I worked at Gills and whenever we had to catch somebody, if we didn't catch them right, man, they chewed us out, you know, up and down thing, you know, no, you don't fall down with the guy. You catch him, then you fall down. You're both going to get hurt this way. And so it does kind of freak me out to see, well, especially not so much guys up on the WWE level, but I see a lot of indie matches where you see guys who are probably self-trained and are just trying to mimic the moves. And so they'll catch somebody, <laughs> quote, catch somebody, unquote, and just kind of crash to the ground. Bounce. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you you mentioned the um, hybrid. Um, my my personal lucha libre t- uh, favorite tag team next to Los Gringos Locos. Those guys are just gods. Oh, history uh, would be would be Ultimo Guerrero and Rey Bucanero. Oh God, are they awesome um, or what? You know, man, you can never get too much of those. Do you happen to have Alfredo's two disc set from them? No, I don't, but I could probably get it. Uh, it yes, you will. Yeah. Will. <laughs> Are you listening, Alfredo? Actually, I know he is. I know I you're listening, Alfredo. <laughs> and I thank him again for saving my webpage, goddammit. 
There you go. Much love to Alfredo. Alfredo's been <laughs> taking care of us for many, many, many years. So. Oh, he's but the yeah. best. He's a really good guy. I, I had heard his name bandied about for, I think, three years, and I didn't realize he lives just two miles away from me. Oh, tremendous. I know. Is that coincidence or what? <laughs> I, I'm trying to hook up with him. I'd love to have Alfredo on the show just to, you know, just to talk and, you know, oh. shit, because that guy's seen a lot of different stuff. and. Oh, he has, and he's a really good student of what he watches. He's very interesting to talk to, too. You could you could easily uh, spend an hour talking to him without uh, taking a breath. He's fun. Tremendous. So, um, uh, Ray, Ray and uh, Ultimo, um, do you think that, that there will ever be another, quote-unquote, lucha team that will have the chemistry and – the, I, I hate using the word, but the work rate between them. Do you think they'll be, you know, the the next Ray and Ultimo? Well, I hate to confess this, but I think the last last four or five months, no, actually more than that. About the last uh, year, I've been a little, I've been more out of touch with what's current on the lucha scene, uh, as well as the American scene. So I'm kind of not the best person to ask that, I but. Know that. They're a class. I mean, they're an act that will be hard to follow. And will you bring up the Gringos Locos too? I mean, oh, we'll 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 get into that in in a oh. few minutes. Let let's not get there yet. But I do have a Skype <laughs> caller on the line. Uh, Skype caller, welcome to Rubber Guard. Whom am I speaking with? Hey, thanks. Yeah, my name's Keith Walsh. I'm an old friend of Kirk from high school. Oh my oh. gosh, Keith, how are you? How are you guys? Great. I'm enjoying the show, you guys. Oh, I'm glad awesome. you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. We go um, back. I, Back to seven, 1978, we go back, Keith and I. Sunny Hills, Fullerton, California. <laughs> that, oh, my gosh, yes. Um, but anyway, I'm going to be quick because I know you guys have a lot to talk about. But I'm not like a huge uh, expert on wrestling, but I did see the hair versus mask match against El Fisico. Yes. Uh, and that was a, a, a real treat to see that, uh, Kurt. Oh, um, I'm glad you – that's right. I forgot you were there. I, I am so glad you liked that because that was easily the most fun I've ever had working a match. And what all, it, even it was all happened. fun. The whole thing was fun. Oh, that was <laughs> the, the moves. I mean, the 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 ballet like moves. But I wanted to ask you guys a couple questions, and then I'll get off the air. Yeah. Okay. Um, because this is probably a pretty good question. Um, did you guys feel that Hollywood did a good job uh, with Nacho Libre of doing justice to uh, the Lucha Libre style? That's the first yeah. one. The second one, uh, Lucha Libre. It's like a philosophical question here has the word fight in it, right? Lucha Libre? Yes. But it's actually a lot of fun, too. So how do you explain that contradiction? <laughs> and that, those are my two questions. <laughs> well, so. I don't know. I mean, Lucha Libre is originally what they would even refer to as amateur wrestling. And I can uh. only assume that when professional wrestling was born in Mexico, Lucha Libre, just the term, took on an aura uh, that was all its own. And, you know, even though, oh, yeah, te technically it's translated into free fight uh it's technically wrestling right. and and you know not that much different than american wrestling being being called wrestling but when i was a kid i never watched it to see uh the amateur moves i i wanted to see the <laughs> i wanted oh, to see yeah. the punk the punching the kicking and the eye gouging oh yeah well the thing is it's called amateur but actually as far as the technicality of the wrestlers it's actually at least as impressive as the you know major guys, it just doesn't have all that glamour and glitz. And, oh, it, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's like a, it has a life all unto its own, 
And when you were mentioning Nacho Libre, right. I didn't think it portrayed Lucha Libre really well, but what it did do that I thought was good was it really uh-huh. kind of gave you the kind of the, uh, <clears throat> how do you say, uh, the aura. The, the aura. I keep the using that word over and over again, but, you know, the you know really uh, gaudy tights that Jack Black wore. And oh, I see. It kind of gave the feel. As far as the actual portrayal of Lucha Libre, it was just uh-huh. okay. I, I didn't even see it because I, I thought I had a little language for my son in it, but I didn't. You know, <laughs> I, I, okay. I, yeah, Jack Black, there's, Jack Black. I know if you have a no. son, there's a, a little kid. There's a ton of like fart humor in it that gets a little old after a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's really popular. <laughs> yeah, it's, no. yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. I guess that's a given. It's not a bad movie, but the movie I'm waiting to see is the Mickey Rourke uh, movie, yes. The Wrestler. That's oh, is that to, okay? Yeah, is that Lucha Libre uh, also, or is that more of the other kind? That's of? more American wrestling, and that actually. Uh, it's supposed to be one of the best movies ever made on the business, so I've been chomping at the bit to see that baby. Well, Mickey Rourke, yeah, I mean, come on, he's 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 a very serious actor, so. Yeah. In fact, okay, I'll let you guys go. I, I, this is kind of awkward because the, the way that my cell phone's working, I can only hear you guys when I'm not even moving. You know? Not a problem. Thank you so much for calling, Keith. It is awesome to hear from you. And Lily and Brian are, and I are listening, so it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, Take Starbucks care. soon, my friend. Starbucks soon. Okay, we'll do it then. Take care. Bye. Take care, Keith. Bye. Bye. <laughs> wow, now that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I've known Keith I, since I, 1978. <laughs> I didn't. I did not set that up, brother. So. Oh well. <laughs> I know that was a great surprise. Now, yeah, he, he used to come and occasionally check out some of uh, the matches with Physico and myself. Now, now, as far as Nacho Libre, um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and it was sure in the hell better than Ready to Rumble. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> now I'll tell you, uh, wrestling vendors that that sell masks, um, like my partner Jeff Dino out of uh, San Diego, WrestleWarehouse.com, cheap plug. Mm-hmm. It has helped him. He sells the the majority of his masks that he sells at shows are Rey Mysterio Jr. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, and Nacho Libre. Oh. Well then, if so, it accomplished know, that, then I got to give it a nod. If it, I didn't realize that it actually uh, was a good vehicle for selling some masks. But if it did that, yeah. I give it a nod. Yeah, it worked, man. And you know, it <laughs> actually, after uh, ER tonight, I'm gonna have to watch Nacho Libre. So <laughs> thanks for the idea, Keith. By the way, if you ever want to see a really uh, one of the best Lucha Libre movies ever made. There is a movie called La Ultima Lucha that was made in 1956, and it had a lot of the stars from the day like uh, Rito Romero and Cavernario Galindo, and the wrestling sequences filmed in that movie I think are the best I've ever seen. Tremendous. I'll have to search mm-hmm. Netflix and see what I can do. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but you can definitely find it like on eBay or something like that. Awesome. Awesome. Can you uh, actually email me the the actual title? And I yeah, certainly. That. I'd be happy to. So I that I can do. See if I can <laughs> score that. <clears throat> okay. Now, what as as far as American wrestling, what is the best match that you have ever seen live? As a well, I mean, as one of the boys or as a fan. Okay. Let's see. Um. 
actually oh, that's being a in tougher the building. one. Especially since I've watched so much Lucha, but the best match I ever saw live... Well, this will sound funny. I'm probably about the only person who remembers this match, but in 1982, I saw a match between Rotten Ron Starr, although <laughs> he was actually a babyface at the time, against Moondog Moretti. And oh, it was big a, Ed. I love oh, Ed to death. He is a great guy. Ed Moretti. Ed is awesome. Of all the people I've known, of all the wrestlers I've made friends with, Ed Moretti has been nicer to me than just about anybody. I met Ed in 1982, uh, at, again, at Strongbow Stadium in Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I was, I was, let's see, I was probably about 110 pounds dripping wet. And I was trying to just, you know, I wasn't even in the business yet. I was just trying to get people to say hi to me. And Ed Moretti was the one who always had time for me. And uh, we're still friends to this day. And on that evening, he and Ron Starr had this match. It was probably only in front of maybe 400, 500 people. But they just had their working uh, their working shoes on that night and, was just absolutely incredible. As far as other American matches, almost any match with Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. Terry Funk is like a magic now, man in the industry. Now, I, I have a question. Were you at the infamous three-way match in 93 with Terry, Sabu, and Al Snow? I, in fact, that was the, that was the show where I lost my hair. The, oh, son of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> do, you, do you know, did Barnett film the whole show? He sh- he filmed the whole show, but he didn't include my match on that tape. Bob Barnett, if you're listening, you will rue the day you did not include my match on that tape. Hardcore <laughs> overload. That's God, right. I love that disc. Oh, <laughs> you can get that at BobBarnett.com. That Bob Barnett, another guy who comes out with a great collection of stuff on DVD. Mm, I love Bob to death. Yeah. And while we, we have Bob on, on the mind and we have Gringos Locos on the mind, his three-disc... Best of Los Gringos Locos is the crown jewel of my DVD collection. And isn't it amazing how Gringos Locos existed for just a relatively short window of time, yet the legacy they left? Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to think none of them are around anymore. You know, it's it's a shame because, you know, the the stuff that Eddie was doing with Chavo, with the Los, Los Guerreros, that was Eddie and Art. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero, out of all the Guerrero brothers, and you know, I grew up watching Chavo, Mondo, and Hector. Oh, we all did, brother. Yeah, we and, all did. I mean, they're all talented, but Eddie, in my opinion, was the one who had everything. He just had it all. He was the Guerrero. Yes. God, he was awesome. Do you have that three disc set? Nope, that's another one I don't have. One of those things I should get around to picking up. I'm a little gun-shy as far as buying new DVDs because I have stacks and stacks of stuff I'm still trying to get around to watch, <laughs> including uh, including another Chikara DVD, which is still in this wrapper, and I still have to check out. Okay. Yeah, that that is the crown jewel. Um, it's Obviously, it's got the, the hair and mask match. But it also has the first match that they had for the vacant tag belts. And oh. it went 45 minutes, and it was just brilliant tag work. 
Wow. Um, I think that the in the actual in ring work, you know, the the moves and sequences was mm-hmm. better than better than the mask hair match. Really? That's saying a lot. But what made the mask and hair match, you know, better was a you know the the cheating with the tombstone behind the ref's back and the the heat and all that other stuff. There that was, was more of that in the second match. But <clears throat> the first match, that actual in-ring technical stuff was really, really good. Exceptional stuff. Wow, I'll have to and, take the time to do that because you know, yeah, the uh, the hair versus uh, the hair versus mask. That's just one of those rarities. That's just one of those most perfect matches from top to bottom. So that's saying quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, an awesome set. And, you know, I, I can't say enough. Um, but imagine, you know, imagine if Art wouldn't have left. I know. It, you know that was such a shocker, especially, especially just a few weeks after that match took place. To, you know. In fact, I remember it was Steve Sims who called me that morning and, uh, you know, I I just heard my uh, voicemail, not my voicemail, but my uh, my recorder pick up, and he says Art Bar passed away, and I'm like, what the hell? You know, you, nobody saw that coming. But that was around kind of the dawning of when a lot of guys started going too young, you know. Yes. God. You know, just still, you know, still, you know, last last Thursday was the three year anniversary of Eddie's passing and, and it's weird to think know, it's been that long it seems so recently you know mm. it's it's a shame yeah because you know Eddie, Eddie you know fuck Lex Luger Eddie was a total package oh god yeah <laughs> that name the total package for Lex Luger always sounded like a bad punchline <laughs> yeah. okay well we've we've gone across you know the American matches that you've seen how about uh, your your top three lucha matches in the states that you've seen? Okay, in the states. Yeah. Well, I think one of my favorites was in 1987, the hair versus mask. Oh. Of yes, you know what I'm talking about. Negro, Negro Casas and Io Del Santo. Oh. oh my God! Brilliant. It was one of those times where I felt like a little kid again, where I was so excited to have a third row seat to that and. Just drank it in. I brought a whole bunch of friends who were just on cloud nine. Uh, and that was back when there weren't a lot of uh, gringos going to the Lucha Libre matches. And so mm-hmm. there was this whole row of us uh, white boys there watching the matches, and the people around us are going, All right, amigo, you like the Mexican wrestling. All right. And, you know, we were very popular that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, just, you know, an amazing amazing match and you know it still stands the test of time yeah in fact i remember seeing the angle that led up to it because shortly before that casas and santo were a tag team Mm -hmm. and when casas turned on santo in a six-man tag it was awesome just because he strangled uh santo with uh the microphone cord and is shoving the microphone in santo's mouth demanding that he says negro casas is everything he is number one and then there was they had another singles match I think two weeks later, which unfortunately I didn't get to see, where Casas took the match in two straight falls, and everybody who was there said, "Oh, Kurt, you missed one of the greatest matches and one of the greatest go-home shows ever." Uh, there were railings at the side of the ring, and 
uh, Casas, I guess, shoved Santos' head right between the railings, and it looked like there wasn't much room to fit. And uh, I kicked myself for not seeing that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have that one. And how about one more that just really stands out for you? Oh, let's see. There hmm. There was a match in 1997 at the All-Nation Center in Boyle Heights. I'm probably a little biased because one of the participants was Superboy, who was a close friend of mine. And he wrestled Parata Morgan in a two-out-of-three singles match. And it was one of those matches where the uh, Superboy was the Rudo and Parata was the Technico in that match. And it was one of those Lucha Championship-style matches where they both wrestled as Technicos. And every move they did was just to a T. Not one botched spot. Uh, they built the heat with the crowd beautifully. <clears throat> and, man, even if they were to botch a spot, I wouldn't have complained. It was it was just one of those, what would you call like a wrestling clinic. A lot of good mat work. And they really built slowly into the high spots. Never went overboard with them. Uh that match stands out as one I rem- as I remember really fondly. Okay, so what was your personal favorite match? I'm assuming it was the hair the hair match. Yeah, in fact, there's two matches that were both hair versus mask matches, and the one with Physico was yeah that was definitely my favorite match of all time. One because it was with Physico. We've been friends since high school, and uh, we I just loved working with him. Easily, I've worked with him more than anybody else. And next to that one, I had a hair versus mask about two years earlier against a guy called Gemini Kid, who uh, later went to uh, on to wrestle in the Northeast under the name the Ebony Blade. And we had a really good time putting a match together where I went over in this match, but we had the audience just believing that I was going to lose my big woolly head of hair. Uh, I gave him most of the match. I kind of went with the old Chris Colt philosophy where if the baby face is going over, or I'm sorry, if the heel's going over, give the baby face 80% of the match. And that's what I did with him. I just was, we just had him bitch slapping me all over the place. Uh, and when I won, he won the first fall uh, easily. Then I won the second fall and we made it look like more of a fluke. And then that third fall, he was just, you know, smacking me all over the place. I would occasionally get a spot in, and then at the last minute, I, you know, did, you know, a little tricky move that I saw the Brassos do once to win the match. And what was beautiful was when I went over in that match, you hear this brief silence in the crowd, and then they just start booing like crazy. And there were a bunch of little kids begging him not to take his mask off, and we were just so we were happy. <laughs> we got over. Now, <clears throat> have you ever crossed paths with the Ballard brothers? I love the Ballard brothers. Very nice guys. I first met them on a show where uh, when was it? Oh, it was about ten years ago. I w- we were booked on a show on a TV taping being done in Simi Valley. And it was the first time I did my Lucky Pierre gimmick where I was wrestling as an exotico. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, that was the first time I ever saw them work, and I just thought they, <laughs> I just thought they were they were really imaginative guys, and that was an era where they need people with a good imagination. That was that was around the time when guys started doing spot fests and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought the Ballards were bringing something fresh to the wrestling, you know, to the local indie scene. Okay, okay cheap plug. Um, some months ago, I conducted a shoot interview with the Ballard Brothers. Oh. And um, you can purchase this shoot interview at WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, it's a two-disc set. Uh, the first disc is a two-and-a-half-hour sit-down shoot uh, with the ba- both Ballards and myself at four in the morning after an indie show up here in, in Northern California with a, a cameo by T.J. Perkins. Um, oh, excellent. And the second disc is some of the Ballard's favorite matches from SoCal Pro Wrestling. Um, there's a match with them and uh, Los Luchas, uh, Zocri and Phoenix star, um, the Young Bucks, who, you know, if you have been I love the rock, Young Bucks. <laughs> oh, Just their entrance they alone. So good. <laughs> they are so good. But yeah, yeah um, it's a two-disc set um, going for $20 plus shipping, so you can get that at WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, the shoot's pretty good. Um, you know, we we get we talk about where they you know where they've been and and there's uh, you know the Melissa Anderson story, cheerleader Melissa story. So there's mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know there's dirt in there. Um, there's all kinds of good stuff. But yeah, uh, cheap plug, WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, Worth checking out. The be, Ballards are not only great workers, but you're hard pressed to find two nicer guys in wrestling than the Ballards. Yeah, they're they're a pair of sweethearts. You know. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, I met them on a yeah. Was that TV taping? I met them on. We got booked through. Actually, I don't know who booked the Ballers, but Dan Farron and Larry Doyle got me booked on the show. And on that show, when I did my gay gimmick, I was out there going to all the the uh, to the you know younger gentlemen in the crowd, and just walk up to them and I would just ask them. Are you at least 18 years of age and able to make an adult decision for yourself? And if they uh, said yes, I'd just, you know, I'd molest them on the spot. And to this day, whenever I run into the Ballards, the Ballards just smile and and, and ask me if I'm 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I love them just for remembering that gimmick alone. <laughs> They'll always be friends oh. of mine. <laughs> Well, they're 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 up here every couple every couple months for big time wrestling. Kirk White. So next time they're up here, I'm gonna have to you know mess with them. You know. Oh yeah, them. please tell them Lucky Pierre says hey. Oh, I will definitely. And God bless you them. Know, they, they won't get their Molsons until they answer me. So. <laughs> Excellent. You know, Excellent. I, I know. And the, the 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 funny thing is, um, I don't remember which one it is, but one of the one of them. Says uh, during the interview, he's sitting there drinking his Molson, and he's all, uh-huh. you know, uh, this is equal. This bottle is equal to three American Budweisers. <laughs> that does sound like something one of them would say. <laughs> Actually, um, it would be Shannon. Shannon, excellent. <laughs> but, I love yeah. those guys. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, now, have you ever crossed paths with Michael Modest? Believe it or not, I don't think I have. Um, actually, he was on that on the Father's Day card. Okay, because I was not actually there live, even though I booked several oh, okay. of the wrestlers. No, actually, I have not crossed paths with him, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Well, another cheap plug. Um, the next day after we 
filmed the Ballard shoot, I sat down for two hours and 45 minutes with Mike, and poss- it was just an amazing shoot as well. Mike's been all over, WCW, WWF, uh, Noah, um, and he's my personal favorite worker. You know, he's that one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, where, where I have not really met him or talked to him, I have seen a lot of his work, and I love it. I mean, he's a really excellent worker. Mm. Now, Mike is my quote-unquote guy. Yes. Who is your guy that you could just sit and watch all day <clears throat> on DC? Superboy. Superboy is like uh, – I really miss – that he's not involved in the industry anymore because Superboy was kind of like our Southern California success story. And I will brag a little bit by saying I was I was the one who booked him for his Michinoku uh, tours in the early 90s. But, uh, I mean, that's all I did. I booked him, and he is like the Terry Funk of Lucha Libre. He can get in there, and he can make a broomstick look good. And... Uh, no matter who he works with, I just love watching him work. And, again, he's one of those people, like a Jesse Hernandez, he's somebody who studied the business because when he was taught, he was taught pure lucha style. And when he started working with Americans, he didn't just try to keep on adapting. He tried to he tried to do more than just adapt to American style. He tried to learn American style on top of Mexican style. And... Somebody who I who I love calling a friend. I mean, a great worker to watch and a really nice person too. So, you know, when when you were a fan and 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 you were watching, um, you know, growing up and and watching, was there was there just one of the workers that you just hated? <laughs> when I was a little kid, ten years old. You know, a lot of it looked pretty campy to me, but there was one guy who scared the piss out of me whenever I watched him, and that was Ernie Ladd. Oh, scary dude. Six foot nine, and uh, in fact, you heard me talking about Raul Mata earlier. Well, there was one night where they showed a match, uh, a rare time when they showed one of the Friday night matches, which they usually didn't televise, but there was a Texas death match between Ernie Ladd and Mil Moscaris. And in another rarity, Ernie Ladd went over clean in the Texas death match. And after he goes over Moscaris, he's smacking Moscaris around, and Raul Macha runs into the ring just full of fire and starts wailing on Ernie Ladd. And uh, Ladd sells a couple of punches and then rakes his eyes. Then he starts jabbing Raul Macha with his taped thumb. He starts jabbing Raul Macha in the throat, and Raul Macha spits up blood all over himself. And I mean, his whole chest and stomach was covered in blood, and he was doing the death spasms. And at 10 years old, that freaked the shit out of me. <laughs> and that, back, at that, back at that time, um, the LaBelles in Southern California and up here, Roy Shires, you know, when they shot an angle, brother, they didn't fuck around. Oh, they didn't. They they went for everything. I mean, they went for, you know, they didn't just go to make people say, oh, that was an interesting angle. No, they wanted to either piss people off or horrify them. And uh, when they hit a home run, they hit a home run. 
in fact, that Ernie Ladd angle, I, when he was uh, jabbing Mata in the throat, that was kind of a vehicle to get another wrestler by the name of Ruben Juarez over, who was a wrestler who was maybe about five foot four. He came in and saved Raul Mata by coming in the ring and taking off a dresser and just beat Ernie Ladd repeatedly with it till Ladd juiced. And then Ladd used to do a gimmick where he'd have an Alka-Seltzer in his mouth and start foaming at the mouth like he was dying. So you just saw, it looked like you just saw the end of a bullfight or something. It was so gory. <laughs> well, you know, back then they, they, they didn't shoot angles every week. Right, exactly. You know, was, exactly. I mean, there was no overkill. I mean, you didn't, you didn't do, so, you didn't see something like today where it seems like every other week the Undertaker and Kane turn on each other. It's not like, oh my God, they turned on each other again. You know, back then when they shot an angle, they saved it. You know, they and the the, the most I've I've been comparing things, you know, to back in the day. Uh, currently, would be the Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho stuff. That was a throwback. To, you know what, Kurt? You and I were both old men. Our exactly. Time. Yeah. Uh, no, I I agree totally. I mean, you know, you save it for something like that. You save it to every now and then really just get people's ire up or really get people to want to spend some money to really get people's emotions plugged into it. You don't have to do it every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Now. Um, like I said, we're going to be bouncing around all over. Um, your uh, Vandal Drummond character mm-hmm. was an exotico. Now, who is your favorite current, or you know, within the last few years, exotico? Pimpinela Escarlata. I became a big fan of Pimpinela's in the early '90s when I saw an eight-man tag team match. I used to have it on tape, and I am going nuts because I have no idea what happened to the tape. It was. Uh, Pimpinela, Mayflowers, Rudy Reina, and La Rosa, and it was uh, for Carlos Menas' UWA, and they were actually baby faces in this match, and they were wrestling, I think, Black Terry, Shu El Guerrero, and I'm blanking on who the other two heels were, but the Exoticos went over. Not only did they go over, but they uh, the heels really let the Exoticos shine. And of those four Exoticos, Pimpinela just worked his butt off. And just, uh, as much as I like Mayflowers and Rudy Reina, uh, Pimpinela left them all in the dust. I don't think he was intending to do that, but he just had an aura and a charisma uh, unlike the rest of them. And I know he doesn't work as hard as he used to, but I still enjoy watching him immensely. Yeah, my my favorite is Cassandro. Cassandro um, was excellent. I actually brilliant. recalled meeting Cassandro years ago in Tijuana when he was just beginning to train. And somebody introduced me saying, this is Cassandro, he's going to be the next big exotico, and they weren't kidding. He turned out to be great. Just wait until he's on cable TV with the NWA. So, you know, oh, is he NWA actually booked they, on those shows? Yeah, he is Excellent. an NWA worker. Because um, he's somebody who deserves a break. Yeah, he is. He, he is deserves a push. Um, you know, not not just the goofy comedy stuff. You oh, know, exactly. No, he is it. a good worker. And that's, yeah. to me, what makes the difference of 
a really good exotico is I remember years ago there was a team I used to watch called uh, Sergio El Hermoso and Bayo Greco, and they were a great comedy team, but they were pretty weak as far as actual wrestling went. And even though I know a lot of people rave about Adrian Street, again, I thought he was a great, he's great working the gimmick, but as far as a worker, he was just okay. But uh, Cassandro, Pimpinela, uh, and actually I should say Mayflowers also, those are some guys who could really work. Yeah, when it comes down to it, you know, they can get in there and go. Exactly. Um, now, you know, AAA is, you know, is full of freaks, geeks, workers, and then some. Um, why have we yet to see many exoticos? How funny. I've never even thought of that. And you know what? There's no good answer for that. <laughs> That's something they should have I mean, done years ago. I mean, they have everything else, you know? Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm just picturing, yeah, I'm just picturing a mini Cassandro, Cassandrito. There it is. Oh, my God. Oh, I, 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 You know what? I'm going to... Make a note after the after the show tonight. I'm going to give Conan a call. Say, hey, brother, you know, yes, this is money. I you agree. Know, He's a person to ask about that, and he can probably <clears throat> give you the most uh, intelligent answer too. True. Yeah, oh I mean, my god! Everything else. So, if you talk to him, please tell him that I say hey. Of course, I will. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get him on the show, but you know, he's you know so busy. Especially oh, now. yeah, very you busy, know, but, man, he's one It's worth trying to get him on. That guy's like an encyclopedia, another good student of wrestling. Yes, yes, sir. Now, <clears throat> who is your personal favorite mini? Oh, let's see. I have to, again, claim ignorance because I've watched so little of the product in the last couple of years. Well, no, I mean that, that you've ever seen. Oh, that I've ever seen. And that's uh, not, well, including, not, not including the midgets, because obviously there is a difference between the midgets and the minis. Right. Because well, the minis um, can go. Yeah, I mean, I remember the original Mascarita Sagrada I really enjoyed quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed watching him a lot. My favorite, my all-time favorite name for a mini was uh, the mini version of uh, M-A-S-A Uno, which was M-A-S-A Medio meaning MS one half. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite midget handle of all time. Or not midget, mini handle I should say. There you go. Um now, you, I did I be clear on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I hate to sound like a total doofus, but I've watched a number of mini matches but I couldn't I didn't watch closely enough to really tell you who I think it was, you know, the best of them. Unfortunately, now, now the 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 hot guy in in uh, CMLL is uh, Kino Damian six six six. Okay, he I have seen him. I enjoy oh, him. Oh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. cool. Yeah, he is cool. I have seen him. I must say. <clears throat> yeah, he's he's fun to watch. Um, those that are listening, if uh, you want to call in and we can talk lucha or pretty much anything you want, uh, area code three four seven. Two one five seven nine four six, and we we did earlier mention uh, Alfredo, so uh, let's plug his site www.slambamjam.com. Um, looks like he has a sale going on from November seventeenth through November twenty third. Three dollar discs, 
Um, if you go in and you type in the search engine Vandal or Drummond or Pierre, and you will find a handful of shows that have Mr. Curtis Brown on them. Um, you'll be able to check out some of uh, Kurt's work. Um, now I, I'm going to put you on the spot, brother. Where mm-hmm. are your best of Where are your best of DVDs? What's up? <laughs> well, if there is such thing as a best of Vandal Drummond DVD. Uh, it's a very short, short DVD, I would say. <laughs> but uh, the stuff Alfredo has, uh, anything from Arena Peril, Aguayo, don't watch those because those are some of my more recent work. And I, well, those matches were I locked up, then I blew up and uh, went home soon as possible. Uh, my best matches, if I'm not sure which ones Fredo has, but I believe he has my Hair versus Mask with Physico. I think that's worth checking out. What what company was that for? That was for Calendar National, which was run by Dan Farron and Larry Doyle. Okay, uh, here. They ran uh, for about... No, it's not on that one. Okay, then I'm going to have to take Fredo. Alfredo, I have to take you to task. I have to is take it, you to task, get under, my matches up there. It was Vandal Drummond, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, it's here. Oh, cool. Hold on, we have, cool. Hold on, we have the three Paraguayos. 12, yeah, 12, those five, are not 11. my best work. And then we have ISW, August 2002, February 2003. Oh, the August two, uh, 2002. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I played a bit of a prank on a valet on that show. It was a tag team match with myself and Craze. And we were wrestling Physico Nuclear and Dan Farron. And Dan Farron usually is not a wrestler, but he did a gimmick where he'd be dressed up in bunkhouse gear, ready to fight, and then he would cower in the corner and beg off. Uh, And on this night, he had a valet, and she had never worked a pro wrestling show before. And so when we got in there wrestling, beforehand I told her, okay, I tell you what, Physico and I are going to do a couple of spots then he's going to drop kick me out of the ring. When he does that, pick me up by the hair and throw me into the post. And she goes, yeah, okay. And so we do our spots. <laughs> he drop kicks me out of the ring. She throws me into the post, and then I just took a blade, and I gigged the living shit out of my forehead. Muda scale. Muda scale. Yeah, it, was, it sprayed every it, – it was beautiful. You could not see one inch of flesh on me. It, my whole body was red. And I just start screaming, you did it too hard, why, why? And then, you know, <laughs> Dan, Dan Farron got out of the ring and went up to her and says, he's fucking with you, he's fucking with you. And afterwards she just came up and grabbed me by the throat and said, I can hardly wait till you're all stitched up because I'm going to beat the living shit out of you. <laughs> but <laughs> I had to do something to lighten up the show that night. <laughs> So when when was your your uh, the last match that you've ever had? When was the last time you were in the ring? Last time I was in the ring was an incredibly strange wrestling show in August of last year. Um, and at my work, you know, considering I had not stepped into a wrestling ring in a year and a half at the time, uh, I'd say I didn't do too badly. Physico and I did a match. I was Lucky Pierre and. I uh, debuted, no, I didn't debut the hold. I think it was the second time I did the hold. We did a variation of the sharpshooter called the salad shooter. And 
then later we teamed against uh, uh, actually one of my own incredibly strange creations, the tag team, a gay tag team whose names are Don't Ask and Don't Tell, uh, military tag team. <laughs> and they were played beautifully by Scott Snot and uh, Angel the Hardcore Homo. Oh, and, I love uh, Angel. Angel. Oh, isn't he awesome? One of the nicest guys. Yeah, and a really good worker, too. And I'm glad yeah. I got to work with him once. And I'm getting a little old to keep on working, but I hope I get to work with him and Scott a few more times at least. Yeah, Scott Snot's pretty good, too. Yeah, he is. He's, uh, if I he's, remember... Uh, doing his, he's doing his thing out there in Carolinas. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> now, um, were you ever affiliated, or did you do any work with XPW at all? Um... That when FBW started, again, I bring up my friend Dan Farron here. They um, wait a minute. That was Dynamite D, right? No, Dynamite D was actually Darren okay. McMillan, who. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed confused, away. So. Yes. Well, <coughs> Dino, Dynamite, Dynamite D was a good guy. And yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <then> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Dynamite D was a good guy. But Dan Farron was, you know, like I said, he did Cal International. He did a lot of refereeing in the oh, wait area. A minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Cal International. Yes. Yes. I remember that show. So you do remember? Was, yes. That was the one with Onita, right? Uh, Nishimura. Okay, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Nishimura. Ah, That's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, Ron Head was part of that one, too. And J.R. Benson. (laughs) But uh, XPW, when they first started up, they called Dan Farron to help them out booking. And so he put a lot of his time into it, and then suddenly they just dropped him. Because I guess Big Dick Dugley had a problem with him. And long story short, I thought they really dicked him around because they didn't they didn't pay him. They didn't do anything to compensate him. And the day they let him go, uh, in fact, it was Dynamite D called me up and uh, said, would be interested in doing your Lucky Pierre gimmick. And... I was just really pissed off and said, I don't think so. That was really fucked up what you did with Dan. And, you know, to his credit, Dynamite D was very professional and nice about it. And I know his hands were tied. In in hindsight, I know his hands were tied as far as Dan Farron went. But I was pretty pissed that they had him do all this work for him and then they just let him go without, you know, without compensating him in any way. But anyway, it's probably good I didn't get involved because I don't think I would have done very well in the hardcore mm-hmm. on the hardcore scene. I don't think I would now, have exactly shined. <laughs> did did you follow the product? Did you watch the TV at all? I watched the TV for a while and I enjoyed watching it only because a lot of the guys like Supreme and Chaos, uh mm-hmm. they were getting their first real shot at making some appearances and when we did Cal International, Supreme and Chaos, they were always there in the, you know, they were they came to every show that we promoted, you know. <laughs> there were even a few shows where we only had like 15 people in the building, and Supreme and Chaos were always there. So I was really jazzed that I got to see a place where they got to showcase their talent. As far as the show itself, I it didn't do a lot for me overall. It, it would have been impressive if somebody told me this is like a, a cable access show. I'd say, hey, that's a pretty good cable access show. 
Mm-hmm. But when I heard it was like a full production, I thought, well, eh, it's okay. <laughs> did you ever get a chance to see any of the vignettes with Pogo the Clown? Yes, I did. I actually were, were impressed by those. <clears throat> yeah, that stuff was brilliant. Yeah, that was. That, I will. I will give them a nod and say that was excellently done. Another guy I liked uh, the vignettes of was Homeless Jimmy. Agreed. Yeah, I thought those were some very good vignettes too. Uh, yeah, yeah, let me say I think they did have some strong points, but the show, I think the show overall was just an okay show. Yeah, it's well, you know, I've I've gone back and and watched seasons one through three. Uh huh. Just. Because you know I'm glutton for punishment. But, you know, <laughs> there's you know there's some stuff you know sprinkled here and there like the pogo stuff is brilliant. You know, homeless Jimmy was good. Um, uh, my boy uh, Webb, you know Webb Johnny. Oh Webb Johnny Webb, awesome. another not only another great worker but a really nice guy. Well, let's let's talk about Webb. Have you ever worked? You've worked with Webb, right? Unfortunately, I've never actually worked with him. No. In fact, that last show I was on, the Incredibly Strange show, he was involved. Uh, he was involved in along with his uh, girlfriend Veronica Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've I've known him over the years. Really like him a lot, but unfortunately, I have never worked with him actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, uh, I had Johnny on, and it was uh, just the guy is fucking awesome. He is. Uh, he's, he's a really good guy. And, you know, he's very a humble guy too. Guy. I mean. Somebody who could probably afford to push his weight around if he wanted to, but has always been very friendly with me. Even if I disappear off the scene for a long time, he still remembers me. Awesome. Yeah, Webb's a good guy. You know, I'm just, you know, he should have been somewhere. I agree. There's two guys who I think who should have hit the big time, and that was Johnny Webb and Stefan De Leon who unfortunately we lost in a motorcycle wreck about four years ago. He was another guy who was very talented on the same level as Johnny Webb. <clears throat> okay. Well, I did say we're going to be all over the place. Um, Excellent. That's the way I like it. <laughs> now, are you in the same opinion as me that the CMLL version of Mystico is overrated? I'm mixed. Um, I'm mixed. I enjoy watching him, but it, <laughs> I don't know. From where I'm watching, and again, as little as I watch, I can only call myself a layperson. It looks like they're trying to milk a cash cow as much as they can. I mean, I like watching him, but yeah, he, he still seems green as compared to being a complete worker. Well, I was I was watching the CMLL 75th anniversary pay-per-view with the mm-hmm. mask match. Um, yes. Mystico, Mystico was the second for Blue Panther, and he was booed. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and they cheered um, Io Del uh, uh, Aguayo, Jr. Oh, my Lord. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, this is uh, kind of weird now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I gotta, I gotta give him perks in that. Uh, a few years ago, he was, you know, I mean, he was over. He seems over in almost like a John Cena type of way, where yeah, exactly. Well, the kids you know, love him. So as long as people are paying to see him, yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. You know, of course. Well, I, I think, I think he's he's ripe for a turn. You know, we need black black Mystico. I, I think it. Might that be would time. be sweet, actually. 
In fact, that was one of the turns I think they kept too short is when they turned uh, El Hijo de Santo heel, they should have kept him heel a little longer. That was one of my favorite turns of all time. Uh, well, there you go. There you go. Now, um, I, I'm horrible with dates. Um, this year, there was uh, the annual uh, Torneo Cibernetico. And, uh, and I'm horrible with dates, too, so don't worry. With, well, it was the one with the TNA guys. It was mm-hmm. TNA against uh, CMLL. Did you happen to see the match? No, I didn't, unfortunately. Okay, let me add this to the list to send to Kurt. Oh, you rock. Um, <laughs> it, it was just a brilliant, brilliant match. Um, I, what do you think of the Cybernetico concept? Oh, what do I think of the Cibernetico in what respect? Well, I mean, do you enjoy watching the matches? Or, you know, do you kind of get bored or, or lost with, you know, all the different guys going all over, miles a minute? And, um, in, other words, in other words, can, can you sit down and, and watch the one-hour match as opposed to, I'm going to watch the first 20 minutes, then I'm going to go mow the lawn, you know, I, I, it's strange. The older I get, even though in most respects I get more mellow as I age, but there's one aspect where I'm becoming much more ADHD, where I have a lot less patience to watch things for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Me too. I think, Me yeah, too. I think you're going to risk, when you do a match like that, you're risk, you risk losing the people who are kind of like casual fans. Which is, I think, who you need the most. Yeah. Because you, well, you'll yeah. always have a few hardcores who'll watch anything for hours, but well, you've got to kind of you know, uh, keep an eye on the lo- ones who are actually going to, you know, pay your uh, pay their way. You know, in something like that, you know, I, I usually, you know, it takes me time. You know, I'll, I'll watch here and there, but this one, I was just, I was in it. You know, I was just. Wow! Like, so it's really that good. Well, yeah, I mean, it had Sanjay Dutt, it had, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns, you know, there were all kinds of guys there, AJ Styles, you know, it was just a really fun match, and um, Chikara also does a yearly Cybernetico, and they did one this past weekend, and it's mm. always fun, because it's that, that match is their, that show is their quote-unquote WrestleMania, because it, wow. it, ends, it ends feuds, because it's, it's two teams, and mm-hmm. they settle their shit, and then they start new angles that that show as well, and that's always something to look forward to, um, as far as Shakar is concerned. Um, and it's always fun. Just, I mean, you've seen the cast of characters, and, and you know, guys settle their issues, and, and then new issues start, and it's just an awesome way to finish things. Um, and it's just fun stuff. And I, I don't understand. See, WWE tried the quote, the scramble match kind mm-hmm. of thing, and that that failed miserably. That um, was a. <laughs> I saw some of that. What a disaster! Ugh. What a disaster! Yeah. yeah. Talk yeah, about just trying to confuse, uh, trying to confuse the masses. Now, do you do you watch the current products at all, WWE at all, or TNA? I gotta say, I'm really sporadic. I hardly ever watch TNA. Uh, I'll watch just a handful of uh, WWE, really not much. I tape AAA uh, only so I can watch Jack Evans. Mm-hmm. Jack Evans actually is one of my heroes ever since I heard him 
interviewed on uh, Brian Alvarez. Figure Four Daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the reason he's my hero was I would, I kept watching this guy and I'm saying, man, look at how energetic this guy is. Look at all this gusto. And when uh, Brian asked him something about his workout, he's like, workout? Now I just sit around and watch <laughs> movies all day. And I said, this guy is a cat. This guy is a feline. This is my kind of person. So, yeah, Jack Evans is my current hero. <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. And he always he really is. Been. I love that whole M&M thing he has going for him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really good. But, the, <laughs> I, you know, the problem with him and Teddy is I think it's that they're in AAA. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, that's I, true. I think they would – they would rock it, you know, against uh, Ray and Ultimo. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, that's mainly what I watch on AAA. Is, yeah, well, no, sometimes I will watch a lot of the AAA show, but the main reason I'm taping it on my DVR is to see specifically the Heart, New Heart Foundation. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, now, I agree that they would show It's all I'm about sorry? Degeneration Mechs. Uh, Degeneration Mechs with X-Pac, Sean Waltman, yeah. Alex Kozlov, mm-hmm. and my boy Rocky Romero. Now, that's a fucking team. Now, I, I, I have to honestly say I haven't seen them yet, so I... Okay. It sounds awesome, and I love Rocky mm-hmm. Romero. Well, the, where the TV is now, they just introduced Kozlov. Okay, so, cool. So now I know Romero, where to bookmark it, and I'll start watching. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, well, you know, like, I, I can't follow sit-through shows. It's to the point now where I'll DVR stuff and I will just watch certain workers. I actually do the same thing. It's very rare for me to actually sit through a whole show. One show and I'm in the minority here. There's one show I do not, brother. (laughs) I'm glad. There's um, the CMLL on Fox Sports. I'm one Mm -hmm. of the few people who actually enjoy watching it. And it's not so much because the matches are great, because it's almost like how I remember TV wrestling being when I was younger. And again, here's me getting old, where the matches on TV are kind of meant to move the story along. And, you know, they're not the go-home arena matches. And that's, mm-hmm. for to me, that's refreshing to see. I know a lot of people aren't really into that, but... I will actually give uh, CMLL on Fox Sports a bit of a look just because I like the way they now, do their TV. Now, doesn't doesn't like the first half of the show, I haven't watched it for a little while, don't they emphasize the lower card and then the second half or the upper card? Exactly. The, there you go. Exactly, and that's what I enjoy about it. You know, well, Triple A, I mean, oh, my God, they show everything from the moment somebody steps out of the dressing room to them picking their nose to – you know, walking back to the dressing room, it's like, just get the match on. Three hours. I know, it's so true. It's like, I want to see the match. I don't want to see their whole life story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's too much. Too much. But I actually like the IWRG stuff, too. That's, That's fun TV. In fact, I haven't seen that in some time. I remember they were airing it down here about maybe... God, how long ago was it? Is it and is it it's still around and everything? It, it's up here. We get it here. Yeah. Oh, you lucky guy, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think we get it anywhere down here, to the best of my mom knowledge, it, anyway. It's current. Um, one week 
you know, one week delay to get the, the tapings on. So uh, if you go to luchaworld.com to the message board, uh, Chris Lee, so mm-hmm. Kellner, he, uh, in, I think it was the 18th, uh, Lucha Update for the 18th, he said that they had a match of the year candidate with Black Terry and uh, Horrible. But was it, it Solar? This week's. Yes. Oh, yes. Solar. The hair match. Oh, oh, I have to watch that. In fact, Fredo made mention of that. I, I missed. Yeah, that uh, should be this week's TV. Okay, I have to check that out again somehow. Somehow. In okay, fact, you want to talk about you two. If you're not able to, Curtis, let me know and I will get it to you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, now, in the last couple years, has has there been a lucha match, um, not in the states, but the, in Mexico that that has just blown you away? Oh Lord. Oh, again, my attention deficit isn't helping me any here. Uh, well, actually, this is Mas- more than Mas- just a few few years ago. I think back to the Atlantis versus Viano Tessero match. Oh, in 2000. Oh, yes. my God. God, I love that match. Oh, brilliant. You know, a great match, oh. made all the better by seeing uh, Ray Mendoza get all emotional in the ring. I mean, it had mm-hmm. everything in it from sentiment to just great work. That show was great. Ricky Marvin toured up. I agree. Uh, it, if I remember Marvin. right, was oh, it Ricky God. Marvin and Sangre Azteca? Yes. Yes. Oh, I yes. loved the whole show. In fact, I, I remember that was the last time where I remember reading people on the Internet running, you know, analyzing the show and picking it apart. And I'm saying, you guys are paying too much attention to every detail. This was just a great show. This was like – that was, I think, the most fun I had watching a, a wrestling pay-per-view in a long time. Okay. In 2004, the Box Y Lucha match of the year – was uh, L.A. Park against El Dandy from Anisma. And you can get that on uh, uh, Alfredo's site. That's where I got it from. And this match was just, it blew my socks off. Just Park was, you know, Park is Park. And, you know, Dandy is fucking Dandy. And they just yeah. tore it up. You know, the, that's a, when you need to go out of your way to get. Um, oh, poor Alfredo! I'm he, he's I'm going to be calling him tonight and bugging him to uh, make me all these DVDs. Now he's going to be <laughs> he's going to be working his butt off the next couple of days. Well, sorry, Alfredo. <laughs> hey, slambamjam.com. Check it out. Three dollar discs from the 17th to the 23rd. Fredo um, has a great that. great collection. And if anybody hasn't seen classic Lucha Libre from the late 1980s, early 90s, Alfredo was a great source. In fact, that was some mm-hmm. of my favorite era for El Dandy matches. El Dandy is brilliant. Oh, isn't he? Talk about a guy who I think has been underappreciated over the years. You know, they, they tried to bury the guy in WCW. But oh, and he, what a shame they did. Why did they do uh, Yeah. I mean, I well, <laughs> why did WCW do anything they did, you could ask. Well, but. <laughs> but but I know when El Dandy went there, boy, they missed out on a good talent. They missed out on a lot of good talent there. Well, there was all kinds of guys. And um, what, what are your feelings on L.A. Park, the original La Parca? Oh, I think he rules so much over the original, I mean, over his imitator. Um 
heard he can be a bit of a pain in the ass as far as somebody to not so much as somebody to work with in the ring, but somebody to do business with day by day. Um, I think one of the funniest stories I ever heard about him is when he very first started doing the uh, uh, the La Park gimmick in the early 90s, and he was wrestling in a six-man. Uh, on the other team, it was Super Munieco, Super Raton, and Super Pinocchio. And uh, I guess LaParca got in, was tried to shoot on Super Pinocchio and was calling him a pussy. And apparently Super Pinocchio just beat the living piss out of him, ripped his mask off in front of the whole crowd. And before LaParca started doing the LaParca gimmick, he wrestled without a mask under the name Principe Island. And so the photo, I. What magazine was it? I think it was Super Luchas or one of those. But there was a photo of La Parca without his mask and a big caption saying, hey, didn't you used to be Principe Island? <laughs> so he's a brilliant, brilliant worker, but I heard he can be kind of difficult. Kind of. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we'll say kind of. <laughs> he's, he's, a, you know, he's a sweetheart. You know, the, the few times that I've hung out with him, you know, he's just fucking awesome. You know, he's so a really like, good guy, huh? Brother. You know, yeah, he's all, you know, he took pictures and everything without the mask, and he's all, just don't post them. Right, right. Well, that's you cool. Know. I give him, well, I give him points for that then. Because where he is yeah, today, he doesn't have to be nice to anybody if he doesn't want to, so I, I give him a big thumbs up for that. Well, we are at the hour and a half mark. Do you want to stay on, Kurt? Sure, sure. Cool. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to patch in San Diego-based independent worker and luchador socal crazy welcome to the show socal how you doing brother hey what's up Casey? how you doing man uh, i'm just chilling um i have on the line uh southern california independent legend kurt brown hey how's it going that's pretty good how are you doing i'm doing really good i've yet to see your work but uh kid zombie here is going to be forwarding me some of your best oh yeah yeah you know i mean you know, if you, you know, all I can say is you love the sport, then, uh, you know, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. No, I've heard awesome things about you. Heard great things oh, about thank you. you. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, you know, it's 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 again, you know, if you love this thing, you know, then there's just no wrong doing. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm t- totally head over heels in love with this lucha libre. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear somebody with a passion for it. Now, Kurt, have you ever been to the uh, Lucha Libre taco shop in San Diego? I have not. I have. Oh, oh yeah. I've, again, I've heard great things about the so uh, the Southern California San Diego scene. The last time I was even in that region for uh, lucha was back in '91 at the Auditorio. Oh wow! Yeah, you, so, you definitely. Yeah. Need to That's come how back. old I am. That's how old I am. <laughs> I'm ancient. Yeah, you need, you, you need to make a trip down here again. I will soon. <laughs> yes. My next trip, Curtis, you're going to have to come down. Okay, you got it. We'll make it a road trip. Let's do it. There it awesome, is. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, okay, you know, KZ, you're, you're uh, long overdue for another trip down here, too. Oh, I know. Well, I, time, and back then, I used to will. go almost every month. This time it won't be for New Wave Pro. It will be for SoCal Pro Wrestling and a double shot for Oscars LLII so we can hit some lucha. 
while we're doing Oh, that it. sounds oh. sweet. Yes, yes. Two 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 really good promotions that, you know, uh we're very, very, very fortunate to have here in San Diego. Um uh, oh, we lost SoCal. Uh he'll call right back in. Oh, okay. Right. In fact, wow, that's cool. In fact, one of the most fun times I ever had in Tijuana was we actually checked out some two-bit show that took place like on a patio of an old boarded-up restaurant of some kind back in 89 and just had nothing but local boys. And the ring was barely a ring. It was just a shell of a ring that looked like something you see in those old Little Rascals comedy. But uh, the wrestlers were great. It was one of the most fun times we ever had going to a Lucha match. Now... Uh, some friends of mine, um, Max Justice or Mike Diamond and Michael Modest, um, they used to do the Border Patrol gimmick. And I remember they, that. They, yeah, man. You know, other teams have tried to do it, but these guys, there's just no one else that, that's been able to do it. There was only um, one one team I've ever seen do the Border Patrol gimmick as well as they did, and that was in 1987 at the Olympic. The funniest part, it was a team called La Migra, the punchline is they were both Mexicans doing the gimmick, but they were over so well as heels that I never saw so much garbage thrown into the ring in one match in my entire life. Now, let me ask, what are your feelings on EO Del Rey Mysterio, the actual Rey I've Rey yet to see him, so yeah, I know nothing, absolutely nothing about him. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Rey Mysterio, the original, I can actually say I saw him wrestle when he was 14 years old, wrestling under the name Coley Bree here in Southern California, which translates to Hummingbird. And I, in fact, I remember Conan telling me, like, this kid Coley Bree, this is going to be the next big thing. And I remember watching him saying, oh, my God, this guy's out of this world. This is a great worker, but I don't know about him being in the big time here in America, but... Well, Conan proved me wrong. Well, that's a matter of opinion, but <laughs> I I was when I saw his WWE stuff, I I was really soured because you know, I saw him back then too, you know, as Calibri and then moving on to AAA as Ray Jr. and mm-hmm. this this stuff with him and and fucking anybody. I mean, you know, Hoobie and 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 Oh yeah. Psychosis and him whoever. <clears throat> I mean, God, it blows the shit away that he's done in, in New York. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah, no, it was amazing. But just the fact that he did make it in this country, in the WWE, no matter no matter what you think of his work rate compared to back then, the fact that he was able to get to the point where he's actually able to get the strap on him, if somebody told me 10 years ago even that would be the case, I'd say, no way, you're high. They'll never do that for him. <laughs> uh, another cheap plug for SlamBamJam.com. Uh, Alfredo has a four-disc Ray versus Hoovy feud comp. Oh, sweet! Brilliant! It's got singles matches. It's got tag matches with the with the uncle and dad. It's got six mans. It's just fucking all over the place. Those were the um, days. Yeah, that's Prime uh, Ray Junior Day. You know, I I I have a, a a disc from Bob Barnett, and it has one of their one of Hoovy and Ray's first matches from Tijuana. And yes, I remember, I have seen that one. That's uh, a great one. Brilliant. That's if I remember right, that's one that they include some spots of it on the Learning Channel special they did on wrestling about ten years back. Yep. Um, I have back on the line Silk Out Crazy. Uh, we dropped him, 
he must have hit a dead spot. Um, <laughs> now, SoCal, um, you've worked Tijuana. Yeah. Um, have you have you ever firsthand seen that quote unquote Tijuana heat? Um, you know what? I have. There's uh, well, well, one good thing about the, the people down there uh, about which liberation in Tijuana is they really take the wrestling really seriously. Um, they they more they they tend to uh, cheer more like the the hometown guys, other than you know us being from San Diego. Uh, so actually, yeah, when I when I went to wrestle in Tijuana, I was announced at San Diego, and it was like I murdered everybody's mom. I mean, the place was just <laughs> booing and booing and booing. So so yeah, they're they're really you know that the Tijuana heat is there, and not you know, and not only is it in the arena, but I mean. I remember getting out in the parking lot and people just going crazy, just going crazy. But, but you know, that, that's, that, now, that's what wrestling is all about, though. Now, earlier earlier this year, during a, uh, a soccer match at Qualcomm Stadium, you worked a show for New Wave Pro Wrestling in the parking lot, and I heard that they had that quote-unquote Tijuana Heat. Yeah, it was actually for um, it was actually for SoCal Pro. Oh, yeah, that's right, SoCal uh, Pro, I'm sorry. Jeff Dino. I'm yeah, sorry. we... Um, yeah, it, it, you know, the, like I said, um, you know, I don't want to exclude them, but, I mean, the, the Tijuana guys are, are just awesome, awesome fans. You know, they they, they take everything to heart. and they, they make the wrestler's job a lot easier than what it really tends to be. Um, okay, Kurt. Yes. You awake there, brother? I'm awake. Did we lose SoCal again? Oh, I'm no, still no, here. I'm, oh, he's here. Okay. <laughs> now, now, no. Kurt, um, with, with your many trips to Tijuana, have you ever, yeah. you know, seen a riot break out at all? Or anything? no, actually, the this was a let's see, between 1989 and 1991 when I went there, and the crowds were actually they were passionate, but they were pretty mellow. From what I understand, is when they started introducing a lot of the you know the hardcore concept. The fans started getting a little more riled up after that. But when we went there, we were about the only Americans in the auditorio. It was before it became really hep to go. And actually, the fans were always super cool to us, very nice to us. But yeah, passionate into their wrestling. And one thing I do remember is if you had some American heels in there, or if you had somebody like Miguel Perez Jr. or Hurricane Castillo, yeah, the fans would turn up the heat quite a bit. Okay, well, um, we're going to uh, discuss my 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 third most favorite um, Lucha Libre tag team, uh, Mexico's Most Wanted, um, Damien and Halloween. Um, now, SoCal, have you ever been in the ring with them? Um, you know what? I've never had the opportunity to be in, in the ring with them. I, I've met them at a couple of shows. <coughs> They've been at a couple of LLII shows. Um <laughs> Two, you know what? The, the, despite the stuff that they do in the ring, those are the two of the coolest guys. At least they were cool with me uh, that I've ever met. Now, Kurt, um, wh- what do you think of them as a tag team? Well, again, they're another one that I haven't seen nearly enough of. I remember, uh, I remember Damien. I met him several times with Cal International because he worked with Sabu during some of those shows. Now, uh, was he Ultraman then, or was he... Yes, he was Ultraman at the time. Okay. And he also worked as Sabu second as Damien. Uh, 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, very nice guy. Really liked him a lot. Very friendly. Yeah, they they don't get the respect that they deserve either. Yeah, I mean it's a shame that they're they're you know broken up, but. Yeah, this you know, is they'll, true. They'll he and Sabu, uh, when he did the Ultraman gimmick, he and Sabu had a really, really good match in West Hollywood. Must be like 13 years ago now. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The, the mask match with uh, with uh, Ultraman and Psychosis was fucking brilliant. Another one I haven't seen. See how much catching yeah. up I have to do over the years? <laughs> I feel so lost. <laughs> I'm going to have to start charging you, Kurt. <laughs> exactly. You're getting really big, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> you will. You will. So, um, so SoCal, um, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about any of your quote-unquote indie stuff. You know, we're focusing more on the Lucha side. Um, sure. Any 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 workers out there that that you've worked um, either in in Tijuana or LLII or uh, any of the uh, lucha companies up in uh, LA, uh, which uh, matches stand out to you? Um, strictly lucha based. Strictly lucha based. You know, the, there's this young kid um, in, in Tijuana. Uh, I believe he, he's he's been, uh, he's done a couple of AAA shows for them uh, down in when when AAA comes to the TJ area. Uh, but yeah, this guy uh, by the name of X Storm. Um, I've, I've every time we're in the ring together, uh, it, we always seem to come up with at least some of my best work. Uh, you know, the, I, I believe that for somebody with his talent, uh, lucha wise, he's really uh, underrated. Uh, so I would have to say X Storm is one of the most memorable luchadors that I could think of um, in this area down here. <clears throat> Now, uh, another question for you, SoCal. Um, did you work the NWA TV tapings last weekend? I, yes, I did. Yes, did, yes, did I did. Actually uh, worked. Yes, I actually worked. And, and um, one thing that I have to say is, um, uh, Blue Blue Demon is awesome. I just I have to mark out. <laughs> there it is. The well, champ is here. Yeah, Blue Blue Demon is an amazing, amazing guy. I mean, he, did you actually he, get to work I, with him? Um, no, I, I didn't get a chance to work with him, but I, um, you know, they, they stuffed everybody like in the locker room, and I was able to have like more like a one-on-one time with him in the locker area. Um, so I mean, he was just a real cool guy, you know, giving me advice about the business, uh, what to look out for, and stuff like that, and just uh, you know, just an awesome, awesome guy. Very cool. Now, now do you think that uh, you're going to go down and, and work a shot for Demon NWA Mexico? Is that a possibility? Um, I I hope so. Um, I mean that would that would be a dream of mine. Uh, you know, it, no other. I mean, what well, what can you say when two two luchadors go for the NWA Heavyweight t- Championship? Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think that's I, been done before. I'm still amazed no. that, that yeah. there is an actual luchador as the World Heavyweight Champion. And I'm sorry, Ray Junior, but. Um, you're no longer a luchador. Once you signed with New York, you're no longer a luchador. I'm sorry. But not, <laughs> See, that was the biggest know. shock to me, too. When I heard he went over, it wasn't until the next day when I heard about Adam Pierce and ROH where it made sense to me. But I, when I first heard the news, I'm going, dude, I, if I was a, when I was a kid, I never dreamed I'd see a masked person, a masked luchador, win the NWA title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I, I mean... Uh, it, 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 yeah, it's it's something that I that I you know I, I don't think a lot of people were expecting a, a luchador to win it, but for somebody of the caliber of Blue Demon Junior to actually take it, 
Yeah, uh, to, exactly. When I remember growing up, there was a big, like, disparage between the Mexican and the American workers. A lot of American workers, uh, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of them kind of looked down upon uh, Mexican-style wrestling, Lucha Libre-style. And so it was kind of like validation to see Blue Demon Jr. get it. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, it, it made me more proud to be a luchador. Uh, that when is so I heard cool. So I mean now um when when you worked the tapings um SoCal who did you work Um you know what I I got the opportunity to work um a couple of guys from Utah from I believe Fusion Pro Wrestling out in Utah uh mm-hmm. I worked a six man scramble match with them and then I was also able to work with Oliver John one of the border patrol oh, agents Now tell me if that is not awesome uh, a US oh. border patrol agent going up against a luchador <laughs> Actually you know Kurt Kurt, yeah. earlier we were talking about Max Justice and uh, uh, Michael Modest. Now yes. you can book Modest and Oliver John as the Border Patrol. Sweet, sweet. They are Oliver reborn. John, oh, my God. I hope, you know, SoCal, I hope the Oliver John match makes TV. Because yeah, knowing, I mean, knowing what you can do and knowing what Oliver can do, you know, it's it's got to be up there with the matches you had with Adam Pierce, And that's just by knowing... Oliver, you know, um, right. So let's let's talk about the match. Um, how long did it go, and and did you guys click? Um, you know what we did. Um, right, right, right from the right from the first lockup. Um, I mean, I I I was so comfortable, and I'm pretty sure Oliver was too. Um, everything just was just chemistry was there. Um, I I, I want to say we went maybe six seven minutes uh, because of the timing and everything. Uh, that they threw out on us, but I mean, just those, those six, seven minutes alone. I mean, it was it was an amazing experience for myself. Uh, you know, somebody with the experience and the knowledge that Oliver John has. Um, I, I mean, I I I, I didn't sell it short. I you know I, I absorbed everything in that ring with him. Uh, he he brought out the best in me. What can I say? You know, I'm I'm trying to get Mike and Oliver to come down and and do the Border Patrol gimmick. You know, for a for Jeff and then hopefully for Oscar, um, because you know once you see them do the gimmick, it's you know they're they're fucking heat magnets, brother. And oh yeah, oh. both of them are <laughs> technically sound. You cannot get two more technically sound workers, okay, right. that can adapt to the lucha style that Mike and Oliver can. And I'm not putting them over because they're my friends. It's just the truth. And you know. We're about due for a road trip down south, so <laughs> we got to get them booked. Um, because I'll tell you, to be honest, SoCal, once once Oscar get, sees these two do their thing in an LLI show, they'll be booked every month. And wow, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, you you saw Oliver do it, you know, on a singles basis, but him and Mike, Mike, Mike is a heat magnet. I have never seen anybody get the fucking heat that Mike does. And then he can go out and back that shit up in the ring. Yeah, you know what, that, that he can. That he can. Uh, there was another uh, guy, though, I believe, uh, I think it was Derek Sanders. Uh, I'm not, not too familiar trained, with him. He was trained by Mike. Okay. Yeah, he, 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 was, so. he, was, he, he did his part, too. I mean, that, that whole Border Patrol stable um, is just an awesome, 
awesome gimmick for 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 those guys. I mean, it it is brilliant. Whoever came up with that is is brilliant. <laughs> I'm gonna kayfabe on who came up with it. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's been several times where the, well they've never actually done a gimmick called the Border Patrol, but there were several different teams that did a, a immigration gimmick here in the yeah. L.A. area back in the 80s. And you talk about something that's automatic heat, no matter how good or poor the workers are, uh, the local Hispanic crowd just you know wanted to kill these people. Right, and you know, and that's that, that's how it was at the tapings. I mean, every time Oliver John came out, because um, I mean, the majority of, of of the people there were were you know were were of Mexican descent. So I mean, <laughs> once Oliver John just came out, I mean, the the, the place just went crazy. It was instant. He probably didn't even need to put any forth any effort if he didn't have to. Oh no, 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 <laughs> not, not at all. I mean, he just uh, he just stepped out of the entranceway, and people were already like you this and that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I was I was in the ring. Yeah, I was in the ring just thinking, oh, my God, this guy brought so much heat with him. That's going to make my job a lot easier. All I had to do was do one or two punches, and people were cheering. And it's moments like that where pro wrestling is magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I, you know, it it was my first time uh, uh, working with with Oliver John, and I have to say I I really hope I get to do it again. I really hope I do it. Tell me this, SoCal. Is he freakishly strong? Oh my he God! Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, 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 there's one man that I've actually, you know, locked up with that had more strength, and that's Bison Smith. Um, Oliver runs a very close second. That guy is a fucking monster. But yeah, yeah. tell me, now was he stiff or was he light? Um, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and not, nothing against Oliver, but um, he, he, he was stiff. He, he was stiff, but that's that's. I mean, that's personally that's that's how I love to work. I love to work stiff because I I need something to sell. There you go. So I mean, exactly. it, it was it was it was awesome. It was a, like I said, just an awesome experience with Oliver John. Um, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, the guy, the guy is just uh, the guy's a freak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's he just, is. He's just uh, he is. He is. He is. He's he's really cool though, and you know. Uh, Again, I was very, very thankful that we, we were able to have uh, really good chemistry in that ring. Now, well, um, at the risk of sounding like a very, very old person, SoCal, please economize when it comes to working with stiff people because as you get older, you'll feel it more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you want to keep your career as long as you can, you know? Right, right. <laughs> no, you know, and that's true. I mean, I, 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 I didn't know what to expect with Oliver John. Um you know, like I said, I, it was my first time in there with him. So, I mean, I was going to match up with him. If he was going to be stiff, I was going to be the same way. Well, good. And I, good. Honest, I, you know, I honestly think that's what made the match that great was that we were able to accommodate each other. Yeah. No, and some people do love working that way, but just, you know, make sure you're doing what you want to do. You know, don't do any unnecessary wear on your body that you don't have to. Right. Yeah, Oliver John is arguably in the top ten workers, in, at least in the state of California. Um, wow, another guy I have to check out. <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I recommend you, you check out Oliver John. I mean, the guy is just amazing. Man, in this last two hours, I've learned how much catching up I have to do. <laughs> There's so many people I haven't seen. Well, you know, there's more stuff out there that's not TNA and WWE. 
It's so true. You know, I just uh, I hope that uh, the NWA gets this TV deal with WGN because they have a viable chance to be number two. Um, their product, I, 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 their shows are put together. I put it back as the old Nitro days, where you have your wow, that's saying a lot. Top. You you have your tag teams, you have your 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 luchadors, you have your your cruiserweights and your young guys, and they they put the shows together pretty much like the old Nitros were, pretty wow. much the same format. And you know I'm not. I'm not saying that because, you know, Adam Pierce is a friend of mine and I have friends that work for the company. That's just the truth. And I feel that that this product, the, the wrestling fans are ready for something mm-hmm. like this. Because, you know, WWE is stagnant. TNA, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, even a speed freak can't keep up with that. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy hearing other people talk about TNA more than I could ever enjoy watching it. In fact, I think that's why I... That's why I do not watch TNA, because I just love hearing other people talk about how insane it is. Man. Right. You know, I mean, these, these, um, these NWA tapings, there, or this NWA show, is long overdue. I mean, when I was mm-hmm. there, I, I, saw so, I saw so many guys that, that, that are awesome talents. You know, I'm talking about guys like Los Luchas, you know, a guy like TJ Perkins, Scott Lost, yeah. you know, guys like Joey Ryan, Ricky Mandel. I mean, these guys are just... Awesome, awesome workers. I mean, the whole the, the whole roster uh, that, that was on that this uh, weekend show was just amazing. And yeah, and 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 I really hope that that something comes through with these uh, with the NWA because it's. I mean, it's just long overdue. The NWA really needs to come back and refresh people what wrestling's all about. And this weekend, that's what it was. You know, SoCal. I've been saying it. You know, since I've been blue in the face, brother. You know, their product is something different. And, you know, I'm going to put them over till I'm fucking dead in the grave because I believe in it. Okay? I'm not paid to believe in it. It's, I enjoy the product. They have great workers. Their, their angles make sense. The guys know how to tell stories in the ring. Um, you know, production, top to bottom, everything's done right. You know, well, it, it's tons better than the other stuff, I'll tell you. <sighs> but we are going to wrap up. Um, Mr. Crazy, how could fans and promoters contact you? Um, you can get a hold of me either through, uh, uh, most likely would be so- SoCal uh, Pro Wrestling uh, by contacting Jeff Dino. Or, you know, you can hit up my MySpace. Um, or, you know, I have a number. Uh, got, you got, everybody can get my number from KZ. Start bugging him. <laughs> Also, um, if any uh, promoters out there are interested to uh, book SoCal Crazy, if you happen to need a DVD of some of his work, please contact me, and I will get that to you, Uh, K-I-D-Z-O-M-B-I-E-2000 at AOL.com, or hit me on MySpace. Um, I'm going to send that disc that I made for you, SoCal, which is, you know, your quote-unquote resume disc. I'm going to send it to Kurt, you know, and we can... You know, maybe Kirk can show it around to his friends up in L.A. and you never know. I definitely will. I'm very, I'm looking very forward to seeing you wrestle, SoCal. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, um, again, if you guys do decide to take a road trip, you know, I got a lumberjack strap match uh, at the next SoCal Pro Wrestling Show against Jason Redondo. Uh, Oh, I I worked with him years ago, like 14 years ago. Oh yeah, I've heard that name in a while. Jason Redondo, good guy. 
You know, oh, awesome guy. He's he's still going strong in San Diego. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, I definitely, I definitely would like to try to make that. I haven't seen him in years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I've been going back and forth with Jason for 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 a couple months, and and uh, you know, it's 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 been an experience for myself. Hey, if you talk yeah, to him, please tell him I say hey. He's a really good guy. I will. I will. I definitely will. Awesome. Well, Phil Cal, thanks for uh, making the hot tag and coming in and joining us for a little Lucha oh, Libre discussion. But uh, oh, so we'll thanks for having you. On. Thanks for having me. Hey, anytime, brother. We'll have to have you on again. Um, the the thing is, we need to uh, pull Mr. Alex Sane away from his girlfriend to uh, come on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you know it? You don't you know it? No, you know. You should be careful messing around with Miss Mrs. Yuma. So. <laughs> uh, once again, SoCal, thanks for coming on, brother. So uh, we'll Thank have to you. have you on again very soon. Well, you know, you, you got my number, so you know I'm here when you need him, my man. Awesome. Thank you, brother. You take care now. You too. Bye-bye, Kurt. Bye-bye. You take care. You too. All right. That was San Diego-based independent worker and luchador, SoCal Crazy. Um, the disc of SoCal Crazy that I'm going to send you, Kurt, is going to blow your blow your socks off. Oh, man. I am it's looking got, so forward to seeing it, seeing something really fresh here. It's got, it's got some matches with him and... Uh, Adam Pierce for the NWA title. Then there's some Lucha stuff on there, so it's a good mix that, that I put together for SoCal. Um, oh, excellent. I, what I did was I, I put the set together specifically to try to get him booked. Yeah. And, you know, he's a friend of mine, but it's our relationship or my feelings about him as a worker is more than friendship. You no, know, and that's cool. And that's cool, especially – if a friend's with somebody who's that strong worker, man, that's the best thing you can do for a friend is get the, get his name out there, you know? That's a mundo. But yeah. Curtis, it's been over two fucking hours. <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> Unbelievable, and I ain't even done yet. Did I sound okay? Oh, dude, tremendous. Oh, um, good. I'm glad. The stream is, we're not streaming anymore, but uh, we are still recording. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, let's um, <laughs> let's uh, plug your website and all that good stuff. Uh, how can people read uh, some of your brilliant writing? Oh, okay. Uh, my website is www.sandtheembryo.com. And uh, I think you'll find uh, you get the most for your entertainment dollar, provided it's all free. And have a lot of, I think have a lot of interesting perspectives on not just wrestling, but pop culture in general, and a lot of, Stream of consciousness rants that I hope you all will enjoy. Tremendous. Awesome. Tremendous. <laughs> Kurt, you blew my fucking socks off, brother. I'm blown Oh, thank you. Here. Likewise, I enjoyed doing this quite a bit. Cool. It, you know, it's always good to have, you know, a fresh voice on. And Oh, thank you. you know, well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed doing this a lot. Something different. Yes, yes. But, uh... I'm going to have to cut it short, brother. It's time for CSI, so I'm going to you on. Um, well, thank you. I would, uh, and, hey, if I'd you get a chance, you... leave leave your address on my email, too, so I can send you some stuff also. Cool. Okay. Um, I would love to have you on again in December. We can we can do it again. Okay, that sounds great. I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks for okay. coming on, brother, and uh, I will be talking to you very soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Kid Zombie. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks, Kurt. You, too. Bye. 
All right, that was the man, the myth, the legend, Kurt Brown. We went over two hours. We had a uh, SoCal Crazy on for a few minutes. Uh, wow, uh, Lucha Libre, brother, Lucha fucking Libre. Let's see, it would be my sponsors, FogCityWrestling.com and SoCalProWrestling.com. You can hit us on MySpace, MySpace.com backslash RubberGuardRadio. Or you can go to our unupdated site, rubberguardradio.com. Uh, you can also hit me with a personal email if you want, um, kidzombie2000 at aol.com. Also, uh, a very cheap plug, um, Alfredo, your site rules, uh, slambamjam.com. Check them out. And we will be back next Wednesday with our, tri- our tribute to pro wrestling on Thanksgiving with Lyndon Walker, Big D, and some other guests. So check us out next week, 7 p.m. Pacific. Later, kids.